Nine o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. Got some thoughts about this past weekend. XFL made its debut. Did you watch any of it? Did you like what you saw? Did you not give a rip about it? I said, ah, I don't care. Not going to watch it. If you did, it went, ah, I don't care. NBA All-Star Game, Michael Malone coached LeBron's team and said, that was just really bad basketball. <laughs> and it was. So we got some uh, opinions on that today. Text or call us, 970-242-1340. It is Tuesday. We're into the 9 o'clock hour. And it's Mav Day today. We talk with Colorado Mesa. Coaches and athletes coming up. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick Men. CMU women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner and Mike Mendoza, the coach of the CMU men's wrestling team. But uh, we start out Mav Day with the head coach of the Maverick Men, Mike DeGeorge. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. Maverick men coming off the sweep this past weekend, taking down New Mexico Highlands, and then on Saturday night to get in the win against CSU Pueblo. Joining us right now, head coach of the Maverick men, Mike DeGeorge. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Jim. Beat goes on. Your team, uh, another weekend sweep, uh, getting the victory, of course, uh, to open up things on, on Friday night against New Mexico Highlands with an 87-79 victory, and then you cap it off with uh, CSU Pueblo getting the win 76-61. to So let's go back to that Highlands basketball game. And uh, we had talked about uh, Dante Moses for them, really good player, uh, guy you're going to have to really uh, find a way to, to curtail his scoring. Well, that didn't happen. He scored 35 points. But the good news was, though, that nobody else was in double figures for them. So he got his and more, but nobody else had a big night for the Highlands Cowboys. Yeah, and you know, I, I would like to say that was by design, but it really wasn't. We just, we really just had a bad weekend defensively, and luckily we were able to survive the two games. But it was not the kind of team defense we're used to playing. And you know, he's way too talented to give him the space we gave him to play in. And so it was a disappointing effort. But you know, those last five minutes of the game, it was very tight, and our guys once again kind of rallied and found a way to win. And that is one of the key characteristics of having. A quality team is you got to be at your best in the biggest moments, and they were on Friday night. Well, in, in defensive, like you said, not what you were expecting to see from your guys, but on the glass did a nice job. You out rebounded them forty-five to thirty-one, and and so that that was an area that you certainly had a leg up on on the Highlands Cowboys on Friday night. Yeah, and it was kind of a weird night. They went, they started the game in a box and one on Blaze Street and kind of tried to deny him all over the floor. And, you know, we hadn't seen that before. And we got good looks and, you know, went into the halftime up 15. And then they went back man, but continued to deny Blaze because he wasn't real assertive getting the ball in his hands. And it really limited his role offensively. And I think it affected him throughout the game. Um, so it was good to see something like that. We haven't seen that this year. And, you know, people are starting to come up with more creative ways where they're trying to trap Blaze and ball screens. Um, and do different things uh, to try to disrupt his flow. So it was good for us to see that. We survived it, and, um, you know, got to move on and get ready for the next one. And so we were a little better on Saturday, but it still wasn't a great defensive effort. <laughs> and, and, look, people are going to see the film, and then they're going to try to do that to Blaze. What do you tell Blaze in terms of combating that and how to deal with that when teams go with a box and one on him? 
Well, we probably ha- I probably handled it poorly in the game. I was just kind of like, hey, let's not panic about this. Just kind of let things go and flow. They're going to deny you, you know, that we have good players. We can play four on four, worst case scenario. And so he just wasn't very assertive getting the ball in his hand. So we just did a few things in practice yesterday of, like, how to cut and get open. I mean, it's not like you can really deny him. He's such a good athlete. Right. You know, if you take one angle away, he's going to beat you the other angle. So he's just got to cut harder, and and uh, it'll open things up. I don't think it's a good strategy, but I would not be surprised to see it again because it was effective on Friday night taking him out of the floor of the game. Maverick men's basketball coach Mike DeGeorge with us on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Trevor Baskin stepped up against Highlands, had a big game, 24 points, 13 rebounds, uh, a double-double. But it uh, seems like every week we mentioned Christopher Speller. Coming off the bench, it seems like every week, Mike, he's has he has a game over the weekend where he makes some pretty significant contributions to what you guys do. 16 points in that game against Highlands, eight rebounds, a really good performance for Christopher Speller on that one. Yeah, we, you know, I guess after we played Westminster uh, the first time, we made the decision to move uh, Christopher Speller off the, as the lead guard to back up plays and use Elijah uh, Newton in that role because he wasn't, when he was playing, he was playing shooting guard. He wasn't really getting any touches. And Fur was struggling in tight spaces being the lead guard at times. And so just that move has really sort of electrified both guys. Uh, you know, Elijah's kind of been on and off. He's a first-year guy, and he's figuring it out. But Fur's just been really solid. He's just a great defender. And, you know, losing Isaac Jessup this weekend was a big blow to us. And so, uh, you know, his role is going to even be more important moving forward. Give us an update, if you can, about Isaac Jessup. Yeah, he cracked a, a bone of kind of in his knuckle on his guide hand, on his left hand. So it, it's four to six weeks um, as a prognosis. Now we're hoping we can get the swelling out there and they can figure out a way to brace it. And he, because it's not a shooting hand, maybe he can come back uh, before the end of the season. But it can't, they, you know, they were going to search for – they just said it's in a spot that's incredibly painful – and there is some risk of uh, further damage to it if he got hit again. So finding a way to brace it where, you know, if it was football, you could just put a big club on there. But unfortunately <laughs> for basketball, they probably would let you do that. Yeah. yeah. So. No, not going to let you do that. No, not going to swing that big old club yeah. around. No doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then on Saturday, you, you wrap up the weekend. You get the, the sweep against uh, with the, the win against CSU Pueblo, 76-61. Okay, they, they, they slowed down Blaze on Friday night. Saturday night, he was back to being Blaze. 27 points uh, to lead you. 19 from Owen Kuntz. Uh, Mike, uh, Mick McCurry had 10 off the bench for your basketball team. Uh, but once again, they'll Blaze 3. You can you can only hope to contain him one night. You're not going to shut him down for an entire weekend. Yeah, Blaze had a great response and came back, and I thought he played great at the offensive end on uh, Saturday. And then Owen really stepped up in Isaac's absence and filled, uh, filled that offensively. And then Mick gave us some great minutes, particularly in that second half off the bench and a key stretch to kind of, uh, you know, keep building that lead. And so um, all three of those guys were key for, for the effort on Saturday night. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Colorado Mesa men's basketball team with us on the Team Sports Network. And now it's Westminster coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, the team that snapped your 10-game winning streak, Mike, when you lost to them uh, in Salt Lake City, 70-63. to and so uh, the Westminster uh, Griffins uh, with Trey Ferrier had the 19 in the game against you the last time. Pierce uh, Sterling had had 15 points. Like I said, there's a I'm sure your guys thinking a little revenge against the team that ended that uh, that winning streak for you. 
Yeah, we'll have to play way better. And they have an interesting team. They are 10-1 and one in the league, I believe, at home and 1-8 and eight on the road. So their only win is at Adams. Um, and so it's a bizarre deal. And, you know, I think they beat Metro by 40 at home and lost by 25 on the road. So they've been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team, but they very have a very talented team. And they just took Pueblo apart on Friday night. And um, it was really impressive. It was one of the best performances I've seen a team in the RMAC have all year. And so... You know, they're very capable, and they'll be very motivated because, you know, they've kind of locked up that six seed, uh, and if they come in here and beat us, that moves us probably back to the three seed, and that means that they come to us next Tuesday rather than having to go all the way to Black Hills, So, uh, which, which if at the end of the day, that's where they'd be headed. So, um, you know, so they'll be very motivated coming in and confident they beat us the first time, and they've got a very talented group, so it'll be a big challenge. You know, they also had that uh, two-point win against uh, New Mexico Islands where, where Ferrier uh, had the double-double 18 points and, and 10 rebounds. Uh, Lewis Johnson had uh, a really good game, uh, you know, knocking down threes. He had 15 points. He had three threes in that game. And then Taylor Miller for them really was uh, outstanding on the glass. He had 12 rebounds, 10 points. So he he posted a double-double. So Ferrier's the guy, but uh, but certainly Johnson, Miller, and others have have played uh, well this season for, for Westminster. Yeah, I mean, they have a talented team. I mean, Ferrier's a first-team all-league guy who transferred from Utah Valley. They have two BYU transfers. Um, you know, they got some guys that have been there a while who really uh, are great athletes and understand what their concepts are. They're really well-coached. And so, you know, it's I, I don't know why they've been bad on the road this year, but I think what they've done at home is more representative of, of who they are as a team. And, uh, you know, sometimes letting your teams figure that out and they can go on the road and have success. So we just got to be ready and, and expect their A, a game. And, and we have to play a lot better than we did this weekend if we're going to have success in these last two games. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team with us on the Team Sports Network. And then after you play Westminster at home, uh, final regular season home game, then you have to head up to Gunnison. Fortunately, uh, the, the shorter trip, but you still have to go up there and play on a Thursday night against Western. And and they're, you know, look, it's not been a great season for the Mike, but uh, they're coming off a big upset against Regis with a 77-72 victory. So they have uh, certainly uh, a little momentum here at the end of the season, uh, being an, an upset-minded team. No question. And then, you know, just any time we go up there, it's a battle. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's their Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, for them to be able to get a win against us uh, and knock us out of a possible conference championship, uh, would be like the greatest thing um, for them at this stage of the year based on their circumstance. And so, you know, we have to know that we're going to get their absolute best effort. And then, you know, their win at Regis was really impressive, and they'll come in with confidence. You know, I think it was a week or so ago they <coughs> they almost got uh, Fort Lewis at home. And so, you know, they're very capable, and, and it'll take a great effort for us. And then odd circumstances, you know, we'll have to do our scouting report Wednesday night after the game for Thursday's game. Um, and so, you know, not a normal uh, kind of weekend for us. And so it'll be, uh, it'll be a big challenge for us to, to get to this weekend. I mean, how much does that mess with the rhythm that you're into normally? I mean, occasionally you'll play the Tuesday game like you did at, at Westminster, but normally it's, it's Friday, Saturday. This is Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, how much does it really shake up your routine? Well, part of it was when we watched the film, we were like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> I knew we were bad on defense, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, our guys are pretty committed to to excellence. And so, you know, you got a point that they're physically tired. And so, 
Um, so we had a really light day yesterday. Instead of really working on our defense, we just showed them all the defensive clips that were bad from the weekend. So I think they got the point. And so hopefully we can bring some energy today. And, you know, the reality is the NCAA tournament is odd. It's a different schedule than what we've had. You know, you go Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. We don't normally do that. So, you know, you got to rise up and be ready on game night. And, you know, the last time we had an odd schedule, we weren't. And we lost at, at Westminster. And so, you know, we just got to be able to handle the circumstance and uh, just take on the challenge of it. But recognizing that it is odd, you know, we're going to do our shoot-around at Montrose uh, High School. We're going to, you know, be doing uh, our scout after the game at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. So it's a very unusual set of circumstances. And routine, to me, is a huge thing in travel. Like, I'm a little uh, anal retentive on our road trips of, like, trying to follow the same routine all the time just so the guys know that, you know, our pregame meal is going to be at this time and we're going to, you know, do these things in this way. This is when we watch film. This is when we do these things. So they have this sense of routine on the road. I think it helps mental preparation as you prepare for those games so they're ready. And this will be disruptive to that. So it will be it will be a deal for us to, to be ready. Any plus that you get an open weekend, though? I mean, is there any – I mean, yeah. is that does that have this, the, kind of the positive out of this whole thing? Yeah, if we survive these two games, there's no question. It's a huge advantage to be playing Wednesday, Thursday with that Tuesday game at uh, you know um, in the uh, in the Carmack tournament because there's a cumulative effect to this. You play like Mines as an example is Colorado Mines is going to be at uh, Adams and then at Fort Lewis Friday, Saturday, and then you know they got to get back. They usually stay the night, so they drive back on Sunday. You know, and all of a sudden it's it's Monday and they're game prepping for the next day. Um, and then, you know, if they win that game, now they're probably going somewhere for, uh, you know, for the Final Four, the RMAC, the, the semifinals. And, you know, they're, they're having to make all those plans and, and uh, missing more class. And, and so, you know, those things all take play its, uh, its toll. So for us to have Friday off, we're going to do a light workout on Saturday, take Sunday off. You know, we should be pretty refreshed uh, and ready to go uh, for, for the second season. And sitting back and hopefully, you know, watching, assuming you sweep both games with Westminster and Western Colorado, at maybe winning an RMAC championship, a regular season championship, and hosting the RMAC tournament because Fort Lewis are a game ahead of you. Uh, they have at home Friday night, they've got Metro, and then on Saturday, it's Colorado School of Mines. So this is a, a big couple of days for your basketball team, a big couple of days in terms of scoreboard watching what happens with Fort Lewis. Yeah, it's kind of like professional golf. You try to get in, you get out earlier, post the score, and hang out in the clubhouse and see what happens out on the on the course. So we'll try to post the score and, and put some pressure on uh, Fort Lewis to beat uh, two good teams this weekend. All right, of course, live coverage both nights. Westminster on Wednesday night, tomorrow night, and then uh, Western on Thursday night. Both nights are women's pregame at 5.15, tip it at 5.30, men at 7.30 both nights right here on the Team CMU Sports Network. Brought to you by Ken Richards, State Farm Insurance. Always a pleasure, Mike. See you tomorrow night. All right. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Take care. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, with us on the program this morning. All right. So uh, coming up, we'll talk with Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team. Maverick women have put together a nice winning streak as they are, uh, well, great weekend sweep with the wins Mm -hmm. against Highlands and then just the absolute dismantling of CSU Pueblo on Saturday. Ooh, it was that was a curb stomping. That was an absolute curb stomping by the Maverick women over the Thunderwolves. We'll uh, talk with Taylor Wagner coming up. 
Text or call the show today, 970-242-1340. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. We'll take a break and we'll continue on with Mav Day on the Jim Davis Show. Taylor Wagner joins us next on the Team Sports Network. It's a good show. By the best show around. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on the team. And with us right now on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, he's the coach of the Maverick women's basketball team, Taylor Wagner. Good morning, Taylor. How are you? Good morning. How you doing? Doing fine. Congratulations on another weekend sweep. Uh, your team has been just playing some outstanding basketballs of late. And uh, Let's go back to that Saturday night game. Boy, that was an absolute dismantling of CSU Pueblo. You had to be thrilled with the way your team played on both ends of the floor. You hold them to 43 points. You, you did the same to Highlands the night before. You had to be really pleased with the way your team played defensively both nights. Yeah, I just, you know, I thought it was our most complete game on Saturday night of the year. You know, they played four quarters. And, uh, they're just learning, you know, to, to fight through things and, and uh you know, there were some great individual performances, but as a team, you know, they're really locked in, and, and I like their focus right now. Yeah, six-game winning streak for your basketball team right now, and that's the issue Pueblo game. I mean, you got off to a sensational start. You outscored them 25-10 to 10 in the first quarter, and I just thought that the way your team defended in that first quarter really really kind of set the tone for the rest of the game against the Thunderwolves. It did. You know, I, you know, the first time we played them, they hit 14 threes against us. Um, the night before, they had played Westminster and made 14 three-pointers. They were actually down 17 in the third quarter and erased that lead in five minutes. So the whole game I was worried. <laughs> you know, so uh, we we talked about our defense and, and not giving up good looks from the three. And... Uh, you know, like I said, the girls did a good job, and real. Like I said, this was probably one of our better defensive games of the year. Everyone was locked in. Yeah, Olivia Reed had a big game against Pueblo. Twenty-three points. She had eighteen rebounds. Played thirty-two minutes in that game, though she got in some foul trouble. And I noticed that um, you weren't exactly thrilled with her effort on the defensive end in a couple of possessions. Um, you, while your team was playing really well. You're quick to point out if somebody isn't maybe playing the kind of defense you expect to see from them, even if it's a player that's playing as well as Olivia Reed, you you're going to point that out to her, and, and you certainly did. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. You know, it, sometimes I mean the best way to guard Olivia Reed is to have her on the bench, you know, and she can't impact the game on that way, and and she's still trying to learn. You know, sometimes it's it's okay to give up a two in the first or second quarter rather than sit for 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, she's still trying to, to learn that. And she had such a phenomenal game, got off to a great start. You know, I just need her on the floor. And that's the biggest thing. You know, teams are going to go at her and try and get her in foul trouble, especially, you know, as a younger player. And sometimes, you know, you're still trying to learn, you know, how to stay in the game. Um, you know, and she's done that a couple times. And, uh, you know, I think it really hurts our team when she's off the floor. Right, and it wasn't, it wasn't more, you were entirely unhappy with the, with the effort defensively. It was, hey, there are times you're, gonna, you're not going to be in a position to make a play. 
if you give up a layup in the first quarter, it's okay. Let's not try to come in, try to make a play, commit a foul, get get two fouls early on, and then you're right. It it, it takes her out of the basketball game, and and she doesn't impact the game the way you need her to impact the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know the other day I said, you know, your numbers would be better if you play more. <laughs> so she's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. So I mean, she's just playing phenomenal, and you know, she's a competitor. She wants to win. And, She's won everywhere she's at, so you know. But we're just happy to have her in our program, and, and like I said, she's just going to continue to get better and better. And, but she impacts the game. I mean, in that second half with Pueblo, there were three girls guarding her, and she didn't even have the ball. You know, they had that much attention on her already, and that's how she, she can help us. You know, and then again, it opened up the perimeter, and a lot of our girls got wide open looks from the three because of her presence inside. Right, and I think both nights, uh, Laura Gutierrez certainly was a beneficiary of that in, in both games against Highlands and CSU Pueblo because of the attention Olivia was getting. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, she just, Laura had a great night, uh, shot a really good percentage from three both nights, and, and just, again, just got to keep it going. And, and uh, it's one of those things where I think the girls are now starting to kind of feed off each other a little bit more. And... Uh, so it's big week for us, and hopefully we, you know, we're locked in for these next couple games. It's right now seventh when it comes to the RMAC uh, tournament standings at, at this point in time. Uh, obviously, a huge win against CSU Pueblo is right there with you in that at that uh, eight spot now. But uh, kind of a funky week uh, in terms of playing on a Wednesday night and then going to Western on on a Thursday night. The the, the plus is you you'll have a Friday off and. And maybe do some, you know, have a you know practice on Saturday, and maybe get Sunday off. But uh, it's one of those deals where the the reward is getting kind of a, a an open weekend before you get ready for the the tournament on Tuesday. The downside is it's a scramble playing here on a Wednesday night and then heading to Western the next night. Yeah, uh, you know, and and we have that lone wolf, and, and Western's the lone wolf this year because we have fifteen teams, so. Right now, they're the team without a travel partner. So, when it's your week to play them, it's kind of a midweek thing. And with the Westminster thing, it just kind of it ended up that way. I mean, that's a different story for a different time. But <laughs> um, you know, we're just playing back to back. We got to be ready to go. And, and uh, like, it's a big week for uh, Westminster. I mean, it's going to be a huge game for them. Be, they have an opportunity to move into that four spot and get a first round game. And so they're going to be really motivated. And then, you know, playing Western, it's Western. So, you know, it'll be a big game for them. And, and I know, you know, the, their little Wagstaff guard's a senior, and she's playing phenomenal right now. And, you know, what a way for her to end her career and just go off on us. So we've really just got to be locked in. And, and we control our own destiny. You know, we're at that seven spot all alone right now. But, you know, you drop two, and who knows what could happen. You know, but you win, we're in, and then we just kind of figure out who we play on, on that next Tuesday for that opening round of the RMAC uh, tournament. Well, the the last time you, you went to Westminster, kind of that, that odd weeks, you know, odd day of the week situation we played on a Tuesday night, you, you lost to them uh, on that uh, that Tuesday night. But uh, Westminster, uh, they got the win against New Mexico Highlands on Saturday night. Uh, they beat uh, the Cowgirls 69-62 with Ashley Greenwood. Pretty strong game with... Uh, with uh, she finished with 22 points and had seven rebounds 
And so that was a, a good win for them uh, as they get ready to head to your place for that Wednesday night showdown. Yeah, I mean, she's a handful. She just, you know, she can she's shooting the three better than she ever has. She's a great one-on-one player and just can kind of finish different ways. Good free-throw shooter. Um, so we really got to keep her in check. And But they, they're really solid at every position. And they've got good guards and big posts. And, and they're really efficient offensively. So it's, it's a game that, uh, you know, over the last few years, we've, we've had a lot of big games with them. And, and I would suspe- suspect that this one's going to come down right to the end. Cutter Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the Team Sports Network. You mentioned uh, uh, Western with uh, Emory Wagstaff, their senior, playing some of her final games. And uh, she is definitely uh, playing some of her best basketball of the season. They uh, they played uh, you know a, a really good game against Regis, you know first place team in the Armac, but uh, they ended up losing the game uh, 78-67. But but Wagstaff she had thirty points in that game, and I this is yeah. yeah just you know she's playing incredible right now. Tough time to face her on their floor coming up Thursday night, Taylor. It is, and you know you look at all their score; they're playing everybody so close, and they're right there, and you know they beat us. On our home floor, on that last second shot, the last time we played them, you know they hadn't won here since like, I think it was 2010 or something like that. It's crazy. So, you know they they just play well against us. Their place is a tough place to play, and they have good players on there too. So, um, you know the record isn't as as good as they probably want it to be, but they're still a really good basketball team and and a tough matchup for us. And Rachel Cockman for them. She had 26 points in that loss to Regis as a career high for her. So she's heading into uh, playing against your team on Thursday night, coming off one of her well, a career best effort for uh, Rachel yeah. Cockman. Yeah, and like I said, the matchup, you know, we look at those things. And um, the first time we played them, we, we, we struggled a little bit with some of their players and, and what they were trying to do. And, and you know, a big weekend for us. So it's kind of like, hey, we've got to go down there and, and know it's going to be uh, a really difficult place to play and a tough environment. We've just got to go down and play our best basketball and, and keep this momentum going that we have. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team with us. I asked Mike DeGeorge this about it being kind of a, a weird week in terms of playing at home on a Wednesday night and then going to Western the next night and in, in terms of what you try to do from creating kind of a regular itinerary for your basketball team in terms of where you stop to eat, you know, where you have shoot around, things like that. How much does it kind of disrupt your, your flow for your basketball team from a travel standpoint? Yeah, it's a little different, you know, um, but we'll, we'll try and kind of keep it the same a little bit, but you know, just the turnaround, uh, you playing at home and then you're on the road that next night is, is probably the big, biggest difference because usually, you know, we play back-to-back, but you're in the same location every night. Um, you know, obviously Western's sitting there waiting for us, so they're preparing for us and going to watch the Westminster game, so they have a little advantage over uh, of that. Um, but I think it's more a mental thing. We've just got to be ready to go down and, and uh, play our best basketball and and go out, go out and have fun. And this is, this is why you play is, you know, late February and then, getting into March and and just we put in a lot of work and this team's I'm so proud of them because you know they could have given up I mean we were one and nine on 
December 10th. <laughs> you yeah. know, they could have just given it up and thrown it in, and they haven't. They fought, and uh, they've come to practice every day, wanting to learn and get better. And, and so hopefully we can just end it the right way for the, with this team. And you got the winning streak here at the end of the season. I mean, you're, you're playing your best basketball right now when it's the most important as you head toward the postseason. So it has been, yeah, a, a remarkable turnaround uh, by your basketball team, no doubt about that. Hey, Taylor, I appreciate it. Of course, we'll have coverage both nights on the Team CMU Sports Network uh, tomorrow night against Westminster. Women's pregame at 5.15. They tip it at 5.30 minutes, 7.30. Same for Thursday night when the Mavericks go to Western to take on the Mountaineers. Taylor, appreciate it. See you tomorrow night. You bet. See ya. All right, there's Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team. All right, text or call us, 970-242-1340. Jim along with the Buckeye boy today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Coming up, Mike Mendoza, Maverick men's wrestling coach, will join us. And uh, we'll have that coming up in just a moment, but it's time right now for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's This Day in Sports History. All right, go back to 1952. Dick Button performs the first triple jump in a figure skating competition. Also in 1970, Bobby Hall scores his 500th career goal. Hall does it in the Blackhawks 4-2 win over the Rangers. 1970, Pete Maravich of LSU scores 64 points and a 121-105 loss to Kentucky. Also on this day, 2002, U.S. figure skater Sarah Hughes jumps from 4th to 1st to win Olympic gold. And 2003, Michael Jordan becomes the first 40-year-old in NBA history to score 40 or more points in a game. He scores 43 points in the Washington Wizards' 89-86 win over the New Jersey Nets. And that's this day in sports history. That's interesting. So, do you think at some point, I'm going to say maybe New Year's Eve, 24 into 25, the day after LeBron turns 40, you think he'll try to go for 40 that night? Or I would. More yeah, than 40? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, best would, Michael? Wouldn't, wouldn't you if you're him? I yes, would, absolutely. Absolutely. Say, hey. As much of a turd as MJ is, although he did make a nice, huge donation to Make-A-Wish last week. That was very cool. But still kind of a turd. Uh, I'd, I'd try to do that if I'm LeBron, absolutely. Well, don't whether it's you, you like you know what or I, not, I'd go back I would to want Cleveland. the record. I want the record. I'd go back to Cleveland and wear 23 just to do it. <laughs> just to spite him. Yep. Oh, you know, Michael Jordan. Be, oh, he would... Michael Jordan's head would pop off. It would explode. And explode into the universe. It would be hilarious. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Mike Mendoza will join us. I do want to mention, by the way, that uh, congratulations going out to the Colorado Mesa women's wrestling team. They'll send 12 wrestlers to the national tournament in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Mavericks won the regional team championship Sunday at Brownson with Marissa Gallegos, who's undefeated on the season, by the way. Uh, Haley Chapman, Holly Bedoin, Genesis Martinez, and uh, Delilah Garibay, all winning titles. CMU coach Travis Mercado named the regional coach of the year. National tournament's coming up first weekend in March. Also want to mention that the Cover Mesa softball team, they split their um, Monday doubleheader against Fort Lewis at the Bergman Sports Complex. The Mavericks won the first game of the day, 4-3 to three in a walk-off as Miranda Pruitt was hit by a pitch to bring in the winning run. Brandy Haller hit a solo home run in the first game for the Mavs. CMU lost the final game of the series 6-4. to four. 
That snapped a 29-game winning streak that they had against the Skyhawks. Miranda Pruitt hits a two-run home run for CMU in the second game. Mavs were 5-7 and seven overall, 3-1 and one in the RMAC. Uh, the baseball team kind of, they had a pickup weekend too, I think. They got, what, Chico? They got a couple, three games with Chico, and they only ended up getting one of the three, but they went to Chico Sunday, Monday. I saw that on the uh, old Instagram there. Yeah, they split the uh, Monday doubleheader. They uh, lost the first game 7-4 to four and then won the second game 4-1. to one. So they're able so. to squeeze in that. And, of course, uh, then they play at Northwest Nazarene coming up this weekend. First time since 09, I think they said, that they've played Chico. So Used to play them all the time. Used to play them a lot. Yeah. Especially when they, were, the when, they were, when they were in the same region. and mm-hmm. All right, so 935, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on Mavdi on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Colorado Mesa sports on Mavday on the Jim Davis Show. With us right now, the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line. He is the coach of the RMAC champion, Colorado Mesa men's wrestling team, Mike Mendoza. Mike, I appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. That is a nice ring, doesn't it? RMAC champions. You guys uh, clinched it outright with the win over Shadron State at Shadron, 28-16. to uh, Great accomplishment for your wrestling team to, to nail down an RMAC title. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, of course, a couple of tough teams there at the end with, with Western State and Shadron, and, um, yeah, pulled out the victory. Um, very close one with, with Western State, came down to heavyweights, and, uh, you know, it's kind of what we expected. It would be a tough one, and, and uh, we came out on top of that one. And then Shadron State, I think we just we wrestled really well against a, a pretty good team. Dawson Collins, he got you off to a good start at Shadron, had the 8-2 to two win over uh, Quade Smith at 125. And then Colin Metzger, unfortunately, uh, he lost 4-3 to three after uh, uh, Quintavian Smith of Shadron State got that late takedown. But uh, overall, I mean, like I said, you, you get the win there. Dawson got you after the good start. And, and then uh, you got a couple of, you got three straight victories, uh, a couple of those by pen, including Ryan Wheeler being able to come up with a win against previously unbeaten Brody Lamb. And then uh, Gus uh, Dalton gets a pin at 165. So, like I said, got those those three straight pins, or those three straight victories, two by pin, that really helped you secure that duel. Yeah, bonus points matter a, a lot when you're wrestling a tough team. And, and yeah, I just up and down the lineup wrestled tough. And, and Colin Metzger dropped a, you know, a close one to a kid that's ranked second in the country. And, um, yeah, kid's good, and I felt like we had an opportunity in that match, um, you know, where we could have won, and, and, you know, it just went the other way. But uh, that's, that's wrestling for you. <laughs> Mike Mendoza, coach of the uh, RMAC champion, Colorado Mesa men's wrestling team. Uh, before we talk about uh, regional coming up, Mike, uh, we do want to acknowledge uh, uh, Denim Torgerson for you uh, that had the uh, he won the Summit Award for the top GPA on the team that was deemed the RMAC champion, uh, Torgerson, uh, he's an exercise science major with a 3.92 GPA. So nice to get that that academic uh, acknowledgement for one of your wrestlers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was a great student out of high school, and, and it's you know nice when they come into college and they just continue that. And, yeah, I mean, he's 
he's great in the classroom and uh, well-deserving of that award for sure. Well, this weekend uh, starts on Saturday. It's the uh, Super Region 6 tournament. You go back to Shatter, Nebraska uh, for for the uh, Super Region 6. Give us kind of a preview of what you expect to see as you try to get guys to the national tournament. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll be heading to Shatter. They're, they're expected to get 10 to 12 inches of snow in the next, uh, I think, tomorrow. So it be, might be a, a, a longer drive than normal, but either way, we'll, we'll get up there and... Um, yeah, to be where we qualify. I mean, these guys train all year long, uh, you know, for this point of the season where they can qualify for nationals and and um, and then get there to, you know, accomplish their, their goal of being an All-American or national champ. And, you know, I think we've got, you know, on paper, five guys that are, you know, um, seated to, to advance to the NCAs, but we're hoping for more than that. I know we've got a few other guys that definitely can – punch their ticket there and and uh so yeah we've been prepping for this all season long this is what it comes down to take us to the five mike that uh like you said are seated and have a a a decent shot at at getting to the national tournament kind of take us through that a little bit if you would yeah dawson collins at 125 was an all-american first last year and you know last year at the tournament he took he took third um and so you know this year i think he's the the uh, we took third at the R Max and, and then and then took fifth in the country, uh, but he's seated uh, second right now and and so yeah he he should uh, uh, qualify for the for the tournament and then uh, Colin Metzger at one thirty three you know last year he I think he's he's seated second right now uh, behind the guy from Shatter that he lost to just uh, last week um, yeah I think he's ranked ninth in the country right now and so. You know, of course, we expecting those two solid guys to to qualify for us. And then at 157 is Ryan Wheeler. He was third in the country last year. He won the the uh, the region last year, and um, he is seated third. Um, you know, he's dropped a couple matches in in the RMAC, but uh, you know, he's looking better and healthy, uh, which is important going into this regional. And so. Um, expecting him to to qualify then at 165 is gus dalton um he's seated third he's ranked ninth in the country or was ranked ninth in the country in the last poll um and so he's a guy that we would you know expect to uh to qualify and then jumping up to 184 is jason benarowitz who's uh right now seated should be seated second the seating comes out in i think later today or tomorrow but uh, this is where, you know, they're kind of preceded. He's preceded second. So, um, yeah, looking for big things from him. He, kind of a younger guy that's a sophomore that's really come along. And is his first year in the lineup. He is behind All-American Nolan Crone the last couple years. And uh, now he's got his opportunity, and he's, he's taken advantage. And um, it's just really coming along really well. So that's um, – I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, and I'd just say, you know, Cash Anderson's just on the outside on the fringe there. I mean, he's beaten the returning All-American, you know, in the Colorado uh, uh, School of Mines duel. And, um, yeah, he's looking to to punch his, his ticket. And, um, you know, I think it, heavyweights is, is one of those weights where guys can, you know, he's been, our guy's been close and coming along and, um, you know, is, you know, looking where he can probably, 
uh, look to make have an upset at the uh, at the regionals and qualify. And then, really, I mean, at 41s and 49s is two new newer guys. Uh, 49s is uh, Daniel Magana. He was a runner-up a couple years ago uh, for us at the uh, at the regional, and and so um, he's a guy that has just dropped down from 157. He was behind returning All-American Ryan Wheeler and, and uh, you know, made the descent down to 149. And, and um, yeah, he's looking to, he looks really good. He's, he's got an opportunity to, to punch his ticket there as well. So it's this weekend, Shatter, Nebraska, the Super Region 6 tournament, then the uh, national championships start on March 10th in Cedar Rapids, Iowa at the U.S. Sailor Arena. Mike, I appreciate it. Number one, have a safe trip getting to Shadron. Uh, yeah. And, and also, best of luck. Hopefully, get a lot of guys qualified for the national tournament. And then after that, hopefully, uh, come back with maybe a champion or two. That'd be fantastic for the Mavericks. Mike, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yep. Appreciate it. Mike Mendoza, coach of the Maverick men's wrestling team, with us today on the Team Sports Network. All right, 947. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Tomorrow's a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Connor McGahee with us tomorrow. Uh, no Cody Rourke. He'll be flying back from Chicago. So Cody's going to join us coming up on Friday, by the way. And I, I thought we'd take a moment since I think this happened when you were off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the death of Tim McCarver. And you being a big baseball guy, I thought it'd be something worth uh, talking about for a moment. Yeah. Of, of, of the impact of Tim McCarver. As a broadcaster, yeah, I, I kind of at the end of his reign, I kind of got a little burnout on the old man Tim McCarver, right? But early on, he was kind of Romo-ish, right? Like he would kind of tell you what pitch is coming and why. It's a little different in baseball because there's only so many pitches a certain pitcher throws, and especially in situations, but. With the analytics and everything still a few years off, it was different. Well, you know, he's probably going to throw a slider low and away here. This batter likes to chase, and then it happens. You're like, wow. It really got me into the pitch-to-pitch game plan of baseball. I, I always thought McGarver, number one, was a well-read guy. Yes. Big Civil War buff. Just a, a really bright guy that... Was was a, was a good catcher back in the '60s for the Cardinals. Hit, mm-hmm. hit a home run in the World Series. I mean, handled Bob Gibson, you know, during that that period of time. The, the, yeah. I talked. I spoke about the book that uh, the biography that Tim McCarver wrote about growing up in the segregated South and how he had to learn a lot about being around people different from him. And he was on an integrated baseball team, and things that he said. And you know, and in, in the segregated South where he was from, were certainly not acceptable to say mm-hmm. to somebody like Bob Gibson, who Bob Gibson, one of the toughest son of a guy, son of a guns you'll ever yeah. meet, was not going to put up with that stuff. But they became lifelong friends. And, and McCarver talked about how how Bob Gibson helped to make him a better man, make him a better person, mm-hmm. and just the relationship that they had. And I, I remember the um, the incident with Deion Sanders. Do you remember this whole thing? I uh, vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. In '92, he was in the Braves clubhouse, 
Deion Sanders uh, dumped a bucket of ice water on him because Sanders was That's upset right. that McCarver made comments about Sanders leaving the Braves during the playoff series to go play, I'm assuming it was with the, you know, with the Falcons at that time, mm-hmm. to go play for the Falcons. And McCarver said, you're a real man, Dion. You're a real man. And so he rubbed Deion Sanders the wrong way. Yeah. He rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way, too. But he was a very good player during his time. I think he twice an all-star. He was runner-up in the MVP voting. But never a, a Hall of Fame guy, except as a broadcaster. Right. He went into the, the Ford Frick, you know, got the Ford Frick Award to, mm-hmm. to go into the, the Baseball Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. But a really, yeah, but a good, a very yeah. good, a very good Major League catcher. He was runner-up MVP behind Orlando Cepeda in 1967. He, what, got two World Series rings, 64, yep. 67 for the Cardinals. He had a very, very small cup of coffee, maybe a cup of cappuccino. With the Phillies in 80, it was at the very end of his it career. Was like Steve Carlton's caddy, kind of? Yeah. Didn't get a ring for the 80 Phillies, but he was on the Phillies for last five, six years of his career. He was kind of bounced around after his time with St. Louis. He bounced around more than you would think. Philly, Montreal, St. Louis, Boston, Philly, all after St. Louis. He didn't play the 62 season in the majors. But he made it. He carved out a nice career for himself, and then became really one of the preeminent player turned broadcasters as TV was starting to explode nationally for baseball. But certainly a a guy that made his mark as a broadcaster. I mean, Joe mm-hmm. Buck, with the passing of Tim McCarver, said that he would not have been able to have the career that he's had without Tim McCarver. He carried Joe very early. Yeah, and, and that he kind of insulated mm-hmm. Joe Buck from a lot of the criticism yeah. of you know the, the nepotism. You know, you're just Jack Buck's kid. That's the only reason you got this job. Mm-hmm. And that Tim McCarver helped Joe Buck get through a lot of that. Yeah, and to hear Al Michaels also say that Tim McCarver would carry him at times, would carry the broadcast at times with his analysis was was big to hear. Right, because I mean, that's Al Michaels. <laughs> that's do you believe in miracles? He did what? That's Al Michaels for him to say. Yeah, you know Tim McCarver would kind of take over and carry us every once in a while. It's like, well, all right then. So I just wanted your thoughts about McCarver because I, I look there. There got to be a point where sometimes it was he overexplained. He overexplained. He was kind of the old man on the block, right? Like he was cranky, crusty. It felt like at times, you know I me. Mean? I like a I like a good bat flip. I like a good celebration. And Tim McCarver was not into any of that. Yeah, I think that's partially where Joe Buck got some of that with the Randy Moss thing. But exactly, you know, early on, like late nineties, early two thousands, he was a great broadcaster, and it was on the number one baseball broadcast team on the number one baseball broadcast team on the World Series. And rightfully so, right? And to see him be able to be appreciated for his broadcasting career, which on his playing career wasn't great, right? It was good, but not, yeah. He won two World Series. Decent catchers turned into really good broadcasters. You know, Bob Renly's a good broadcaster. He's kind of cranky. Joe Garagiola, Bob Euchre, Tim McCarver. You know, they're they're 
it was it was a bummer to see that. It was sad, sad to hear about him passing. All right, quickly, we'll roll around in the dumpster. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. Okay, the umpire in a baseball game. It was a recent Missouri S&T Wayne State matchup. Oh, throw well, out the records. Yeah, exactly, because that's always going to be a Donnybrook yeah. between those oh, two. Yeah, throw out the records. Guy hits a home run. Guy comes around, jumps in the air to touch home. Umpire said, you didn't touch home, calls him out. And I guess the, I mean, the, the team was losing their minds because he hit it for, I'm trying to think who he hit it for. If it was Wayne State. But anyway, the guy jumps in the air. If you watch mm-hmm. the video, he, mm, he leaps, and it looks like, because the right, the right foot clearly is cross home plate. The left foot looks like it's it's on the pitcher's side of the rubber of, yeah. of home plate, and it's hard to tell if he touches it or not. Home plate umpire is right there and goes, you're out, and, st- and stayed with the call. Though it looks very questionable, and isn't the, that and, a neighborhood the, type play? Yeah, and the other and the other team ended up winning because of that. By the way, he hit a home run, right? Yeah, I. I mean, it's <laughs> come on. Yeah, I know. It's, to me, it was close enough, but anyway, that's our show. Back with you tomorrow.